Welcome to Literary Merit, the show where we tell you what media has value. Spoiler alert, it's all of it. Also, spoiler alert, we'll be discussing spoilers as usual, so here's your warning. I'm Ashley. And I'm Alex. And today we are starting with our five-minute masters, because a real master's degree is expensive, so we're just doing the best that we can. (laughs) (laughs) These are probably not real things that you can get degrees in. Mine is definitely not. Well, I mean, there are aspects of mine that could there, be, You can get a degree in could anything. Be, <laughs> could be studied. I mean, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Should I go first? Yes, I think you should. So All far, right. it's tradition. Once I get my mouse, there it is. <laughs> so, this is something I found moments before recording. Yes. This was very... It was really in just the last five minutes. Yeah. So, it's truly a five-minute master's. <laughs> This is just a little bit about the Granny Smith apple. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I was asking Google, uh, it was like, the I'm feeling lucky thing. Uh-huh. And it like brings up random facts. Uh-huh. And this was one that caught my eye. That's fun. So Granny Smith apples were made on accident. Hmm. So in Australia. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> in 1868... Okay. There was this woman uh, known as, colloquially as Granny Smith. There's a real Granny Smith? Maria Ann Smith. And she was somewhat of a, a townsperson that was they called Granny. Whoa! Mm-hmm. I didn't know there was a real Granny Smith. Yeah. Um, and she was just like a, a you know, the, the, the town Granny. Like <laughs> That's so funny. I mean, yeah, back in the 1860s, there was just, you know, Granny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all know Granny. And there's a picture of her on, on, on the site. Um, she was old. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's Granny. If yeah. she wasn't, that would be really weird. Born in 1799 and okay. lived to 1870. That's pretty good. Especially for back then, yeah. yeah. Um, she saw the turn of the... 18th century yeah that's pretty good (laughs) pretty cool um but there's i mean the story isn't hasn't been like checked for sure because right it could be apocryphal the 1800s it's hard to verify um but the two versions are basically she was eating a bunch of um french crab apples that were grown in tasmania Hmm. um and she was just throwing them down by her creek and they germinated with um some other apples that were down there um i don't remember exactly which ones they were i think they were a sweet american apple mm. um and so she, she was either throwing them down there after eating them like throwing that cores, the cores down there. um or she was baking pies with them and um she was throwing them out her window and they right. the, like, tree grew up her window. discarded the yeah. cores um and the two mixed and they made a baby yeah that's <laughs> That's what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so it's kind of fun that it was an accidental cultivar of apples. That is interesting. Yeah, the only apple that I knew anything about was the Honeycrisp, and that was like the end product of like tons of experimentation to like create a really yummy apple. Mm-hmm. So the fact that like one of the other most popular apples was just like well oh, and it's it's also it it's is. like not i mean it's a popular apple yes but it's also like um 
used for so many different things. Like mm-hmm. it's it's probably like the main cooking apple. Definitely. Argue, you know? Yeah, definitely main cooking apple. It's my dad's favorite. I don't much care for them just to eat. Like I definitely use one for a pie or something, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't eat a Granny Smith. They're a bit tart for me. I, I mean, I grew up with them because my grandma had a Granny Smith tree in her oh, backyard. You know, I bet like straight off the tree is better than store-bought. That's very possible. Mm-hmm. But I'll, they were huge, too. Really? Yeah, they were That's like... So funny. I'm making a... Big, like, Fuji-sized. Like, like this... There were some big ones, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I think when, when we were selling my grandparents' house, there was one that we had on the tree that was, like, the size of a brain. <laughs> That's a really weird size comparison well, for I'm, you to... Because well, I was, like, holding my hands out to make it... But it's, like, a brain size, right? No, I mean, I know how big you're... I couldn't think of how to describe it without people seeing it, you know? It's <laughs> just really... <laughs> it's a brain size. A weird reference. <laughs> but also, it's one of the types of um, apples that have antioxidants. Oh, they yeah. don't all? I guess... Well, I mean, especially if they're, like... A mutilated monster Frankenstein apple that's just made to be sweet as possible. Yeah. They might, you know, those kinds. But it's interesting that the, the greenest ones have the antioxidants because usually we associate antioxidants with dark fruit. Right. Blueberries and stuff. Blueberries and raspberries. Yeah. Mm-hmm, the red. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Wow. Well, gosh, that's a fun thing to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, mine is one that definitely is a thing that you could get a master's about. And so... I'm I, I'm I'm trying to. <laughs> I know enough about this topic to to feel uncomfortable with how little I know about this topic. You well, know, that's what this segment is for. Yes, we're pretending that we're authorities on things that we're not authorities on in any way. Uh, I want to talk about the history of the English language. Ooh, because I that's just a big old one. I know we're gonna do like a brief overview with a couple of fun little interesting tidbits <laughs> leading up to a sort of and now you know the rest. It's of It's funny the because story. we both have degrees in English. <laughs> yes, and I got really interested in the history of the English language, um, taking uh, both medieval lit and linguistics courses in college. Mm-hmm, same. Um. So. You'll know a little bit about this yep. then. Mm-hmm. Um, so starting with Old English, sometimes called Anglo-Saxon, uh, the transition... So, hmm, where, where to begin? Yeah, like, I'm, like, struggling. There's so, a lot. Yes, there is. So basically, um, Old English was very, very similar to Old Norse. Uh, in fact, they were sort of cousin languages. There was some intelligibility between the two. Um but when after the uh, Norman conquest in 1066, them dang Normans moved in speaking uh, Old Norman, which developed into Anglo-Norman. Uh, and that was the language spoken mainly by the, the aristocracy. You know, the Normans came in and they took over. And so Anglo-Saxon was being spoken by the common, the common people and... Uh, old, you know, Anglo-Norman was being spoken by nobility. And uh, so over time, of course, those lines get blurred, languages combine. But that's why we have so many synonyms in English is because we've got sort of the, the Saxon word and the Norman word. So like, and, and it's really funny when it comes to like food and stuff where it's like, we don't call food cow. We call it beef. 
mm-hmm. because that's the Norman word for it. <laughs> um, but then there are some really interesting ones like house is the Saxon word and mansion is the Norman <laughs> word. Um, and then the sort of connotations of those words. Right developed because of the origin of those words. Mm -hmm. Really interesting stuff. You know, freedom versus liberty. (laughs) Uh, But they... uh, So over time, they started sort of combining, and um, early Middle English uh, began roughly uh, 1150 is generally the year that it's... Uh, pinned at um, where you know so they're they're more and more merging. So Middle English is like the the version that Chaucer wrote in. That was the English, and it's becoming intelligible to a modern reader. It's not. It's really. not. But but you can find some words. Right. You could you could read a text in Middle English and be like, I think I kind of know sort of what the subject it's is. Like, it's like if you took Spanish for two years and then never again. That's about <laughs> the understanding you have. Right. You're like, I've got some words. I, I definitely understand this syntax, uh, but it's not the same language. Not yeah. really. It's uh, not even close to Shakespeare yet either. No, yeah. no, no. Um, so, yeah, Chaucer was writing um, in like the at the end of like the 1300s. Um, and that's when he wrote the Canterbury Tales. And um, that's when English sort of started coming into its own as a proper language. Because up to that point, English wasn't something spoken by important people. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't used for any important documents <laughs> or literature. And Chaucer's like, well, what if it was? Mm-hmm. And he wrote in the... What was sort of the London dialect that was emerging at the time? Um, he, so the some of the interesting stuff. So the late Middle English was you know fourteen hundreds, and that's when it started becoming like actually standardized. And by the fifteen hundreds, uh, early modern English was like officially becoming a thing. And early modern is Shakespeare mm-hmm. and. King James Bible, and that was the printing press that really ushered that in right. and started standardizing stuff. Um, so people were reading the same shit. Yes, there were spelling was being standardized, and that sort of started codifying pronunciations because, and that's one of the reasons English has such weird spellings is because it was written. It, it certain spellings were codified at a time when pronunciation was in a lot of flux. Mm-hmm. And so we have some really weird remnants of like, no, that's actually how the word was pronounced, but we just don't pronounce it that way any longer. Yeah. Um, I kind of wanted to, and I'm, you're going to examples. Yes. So I, you're going to have to forgive me cause it's, I'm a bit rusty, but I would love to give an example of Chaucer in Middle English pronunciation. So I'm going to read a word-for-word translation into Modern English, and then I'm going to read the same thing back in, in Middle English. Middle. So, when that April with his showers sweet 
the drought of March has pierced to the root and bathed every vein in such liquor of which virtue engendered, engendered is the flower. When Zephyrus eke with his sweet breath, inspired has in every holt and heath the tender crops, and the young sun has in the ram his half-course run. And small fowls make melody that sleep all the night with open eye, so pricks them nature in their courages. Then folk long to go on pilgrimages. Not a lot of rhyming happening there. <laughs> no, but, it, but intelligible yet dense. Yes. And this is, you know, it's word for word translation. So some of the syntax is a little weird, right. not how we would do it. Some of the words are words that we don't necessarily use anymore, but yeah. those are the modern equivalents of those right. words. So here is the same passage. In Middle English, in, As it my, was originally written. in my very best <laughs> Middle English dialect. It's been a bit, but I, I can do this. Juan that April with his shores sota, the drocht of March hath pierced to the rota, and bothered every vein in sweet liqueur, of which virtu engendered is the flour. Juan Zaphyrus eka with his sweater breath, in spirit hath in every holt and heath, the tundra cropus, and the younger son hath in the ram his half a cursiron, and smaller fullers mock and melodia that sleepen all the nicht with open ear, so pricketh hem natur in her courages, than a longin folk to go on pilgrimages. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's way more fun. <laughs> it's got such a good rhythm. Like mm-hmm. Chaucer was, although he knew what he was doing. like the language is sort of unintelligible, not just because it sounds like nonsense but right. also like it just kind of like blah, 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 a lot you know yeah. but that well, also might just be because i don't understand you don't it. know the words yeah it's i mean it, yeah in spirit hath in every holt and heath so it's <laughs> but it's just so much fun to hear like it's it's got a great cadence to yeah. it yes well and i feel like it's very focused at least the way he was writing right on nouns Mm-hmm. Well, and this is a yeah. It's this is the prologue to the Canterbury Tales. So yeah. this is sort of the the setup. He's like, right. it's springtime, and this is what springtime is like, and that's when people want to go on a pilgrimage. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, if if for those of you who may not be as familiar with Chaucer, Chaucer gets very saucy. Uh, so <laughs> as as highfalutin as this sounds, he was writing for. He was not necessarily writing for a fancy audience. Right. You know, he was he was writing in the common language for common people. Yeah. Um, He's like, I want everybody to read my shit. Yeah. I'm not everybody's <laughs> literate, but. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm writing for the masses. Mm-hmm. So um, my last little bit that I want to talk about, because the uh, interesting thing is the alphabet of English has changed mm-hmm. over the years. Um, there are letters that don't exist anymore in our language mm-hmm. such as um a little letter called thorn mm-hmm. yes it's the sound the th voice the voiceless dental fricative yes um there's also so, rather than the the is uh yes um, and so that those letters were used for those sounds. And they are still present, very present in linguistics. Yes, they're, they're used those in, Those are the like, sound terms the, for In the phonetic sounds. alphabets yeah. and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and those letters also exist in, like, Scandinavian languages and stuff. But, um, they ended up falling out of use, and, you know, there's some, some weird stuff where, you know, during sort of the beginning of the printing press, 
era. Um, they were trying to use those characters, but didn't necessarily have them in their fonts because right. a printing press just has the, you know, a medieval printing press has these big metal stamps mm -hmm. <laughs> and you just line them all up how they need to go and then they press, press, press. That's why it's called a press. Um, but, um, so Thorn, the voiceless TH sound, mostly fell out of use during the 14th century, replaced by TH. Um, but the, uh, when they were still trying to use Thorn, the closest letter that a lot of printing presses had to being able to represent Thorn looks a lot like a Y. So they, they just, they would use the Y hmm. instead. And that is where we get the term ye old. That's not actually anything real. It should be ye, the... Because I, I think people get it confused with the actual ye as in you. Yeah. But ye old is actually old. is just the old. Yeah. Like, it's just, the word is just the. Well, the old. No, it's... it's Thorn is voiceless. Oh, yeah. But, but that but is... Yes, yes, yes. It's the old. So it's uh, not ye... It, it was never said that way. <laughs> That's not anything. <laughs> and it's super duper funny yeah. that that exists as like a cultural idea. Mm -hmm. You say, oh, no, ye old shop. And it's like, no, no it's the old shop. It's the old shop. It's just <laughs> the old shop. Um, so that's. I I've, I found that so amusing yeah. back when I learned that. Well, and the, the symbol they use for Thorn now is mm -hmm. much more appropriate. It looks like a little. TH with a thorn on it. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, there's there's different thorns. I'm thinking of the, the uh, linguistics. Right. Symbol. Yeah, and then there's another... <laughs> uh, there's uh, the uh, another symbol used for thorn. It looks kind of like a lower pace, lowercase p, but then the line extends further upward, mm -hmm. so it's like a tall line with a lowercase p on it. Um, and there's a character in Vikings named Thorun, but I guess people got confused because when, like, I see her name written down, like, online, it's written out Porun. <laughs> and that's really weird. <laughs> but yeah, so that's a very quick and dirty overview of the history of the English language. And I just yeah. find it so Without mentioning the wars and the... <laughs> yeah, we briefly touched on the Norman Conquest. Yeah. But, you know, there's... It's this is a five minute masters, but it's a really great, uh, it's a really fun and interesting topic. If you really want to feel smart for like, or, or really stupid for like five minutes, just look up on Wikipedia, like the phonetic alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what any of this is. <laughs> yeah, that's the stuff they use in the dictionary to tell you how to pronounce things, but then you don't know how to read that. So yeah. it doesn't help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's another alphabet that uses a lot of the same symbols, but with some they different don't. Names. You don't necessarily know how they're said. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, don't even get me started on those damn vowels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are the hard ones. It's a chart. <laughs> All right. All right. Are we ready? We're ready. Everybody, you better be ready. We're so ready. I'm so ready. <laughs> this is a long time coming. This is the magicians. We're talking about the magicians. I finally caught up. I finally forced somebody to watch the whole <laughs> thing with me. Well, you you barely had to ask. Uh, yes. It's like an ask for like the first five episodes. I know. And then, and then through you're there, you're in. like, you're, you're stuck. You're What's going to happen to my so people? My, my babies, my, my loves. Babies. They're horrible so, and I love them. I'll, I'll reiterate. We've already given the spoiler warning, but season four has a big, big ending. And if you care, then you're not going to want to listen. Yeah. I recommend... 
if you care, stop listening to this podcast immediately. Go watch seasons one through three on Netflix, currently available, <laughs> and then wait until season four comes out, or you can be like me and purchase it on YouTube <laughs> yes. to watch it whenever you want to. Yes, but... But it will come out on, yeah. on Netflix eventually as well. It's a pretty dang big ending, so... And we will be discussing it in detail. Yes, we, it, we, will, not, we will not hold back from this one, because you can't really talk about it right. if you hold back from it. But we should start from... The beginning with your experiences with the show. Yes. Yes. So. Because I've been watching this show since halfway through the first season. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So at first, I like, I, I was a bit skeptical of the show. Uh, it, you know, you know it's, it, it, it takes a little bit to warm up. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly, it was once once the fillery stuff started happening. Yeah. Then I'm like, okay, now this is interesting. Like Because before I, that, it's like, who are these entitled kids? Why are they sad about having magic? Right. And it, it just it's just like Harry Potter with drugs. Yes. So, and sex. And, drugs yes, and sex. And I was just like, ah. And, you know, the characters didn't quite grip me yet. And I just wasn't totally sure. But they found their way by the end of season one. Yes. And uh, I love each and every one of them. Very deeply. <laughs> uh, I don't know what what do we what should I don't even know where to begin. What do you think we should discuss? I'm looking. At, I actually took notes, y'all. I took you did. notes. You did. I have sources. <laughs> um, I think here's a good one. So, uh, Quentin, as is he the protagonist of this story? Yeah, we've had a lot of conversation on that topic. So um, Quentin is initially. The first character, well, no, he's not the first character you meet in the show, but he's but the, he's the fir- he's like sort of the POV. Yes, he's the POV 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 point of view for uh, a majority of the first couple seasons. Uh huh. I feel like in a show like this, that's really an ensemble cast, the term protagonist is sort of useless. Yes, it doesn't. It's like mm-hmm. that's not what this. That's not how this works. Yeah, and. Um, one of the sites that I, I, there was a Vox article that, uh, Todd Vanderwerf, um, wrote and discussed basically everything involving, like, his role in the show and the, the finale, the season four finale. Um, and he states that he's not the protagonist and mm-hmm. by the end he is what he calls a conduit character. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that a lot. The idea that he just sort of connects other people. Yeah. He's important because... He, of his they're important to him and he's important to them mm-hmm. and they all hate each other half the time yeah but he's <laughs> the one that everybody sort of became friends with mm-hmm. which is so interesting because like because he's so unlikable initially he is that's what really he's made very his... persistent though yeah but like i just couldn't i couldn't find him interesting at first and... which is funny because elliot finds him interesting yeah and elliot likes him yeah and so like and i was kind of like I don't know, like you're and that's really... probably partially just physical, because he he's just, cute. He's just attracted to him, <laughs> um, but I don't know. I think also they just hadn't quite hit their stride in the writers' room right. yet, mm-hmm. and I just think it's a little weak. Like, well, and and they were trying to stay true to the book, and in the mm-hmm. book, he. So I I only listened to the first book of the magicians, not necessarily in preparation, but because of the result of the finale of season four, yes. I had to. I needed reparations. <laughs> um, but he's insufferable in the book. Quentin? Quentin is insufferable. And he's insufferable for much of the first season. You know, it's so funny. Um, so I've been 
hanging out with my sister-in-law a bit lately and um she loves the magician's books Mm -hmm. but she read them before there was a show and she really can't deal with the show because she's like no what i liked about the books is how like nasty and dirty and unpleasant it is like she appreciates that the characters are all like crappy people oh yeah and there's um, still crappy people in this show. But a lot more but lovable. a lot more lovable. You love them for their flaws. Uh-huh. Whereas in, in the, the books, books like, the point they have is no, that they... Like, you don't want to like these people. Yeah. And she likes that about them. Right. Because and... it's very different from most stories. Mm-hmm. You know. So it's been kind of funny to hear, like, both of you, you're like, oh my god, it's just the worst, and I miss the Quentin in the show, and I like Margot, and... Uh, <laughs> And she's like, oh, the show is just so nice. So, <laughs> Which is so funny because the show is so intense and mean. But it's that way because we love the characters. So true. when something happens to them, we're like, no, no. don't do that. Don't do that, yeah. Stop making these choices, And then when, choices, they, when, they, when they fuck up, you're like... You're better you're like, than this. You're, or, or you're like, it's okay, I still love you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, I do uh, think that's a good sort of way of thinking about Quentin's role in the show is that he, because he is the one who becomes friends with each of the individual people in yeah. his own way. And it, in the first couple seasons, you really see it because they're like in like two groups or like three groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's usually like the person delivering messages between the groups because he's like friends with everybody and they're yeah yeah and it, but and like but it is so s- funny because he's so like anxious and like self-loathing so the idea that he's like very popular is kind of a contradiction well because he's like he makes them and i don't mean this in a negative way either he makes them feel good about themselves yeah because he's he so self-deprecating at, at ease in a certain way and they and he allows them to make fun of him too mm-hmm. because he under like because he hates himself <laughs> Right, he's put he puts up with a lot. Yeah, and he know, and by like later on, you know, it's you know just for funsies too. Yeah, they like they all love like him. I would say at the beginning of season two when they get when they crown themselves kings mm-hmm. and queens of Fillory, and Margot calls him King Quentin the moderately socially maladjusted, mm-hmm. and, and she it's... says it with this bright, loving smile. Yeah, like they're friends now. Yeah, like she really does care, and she knows him. Yeah. And that's true. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And he's like, yep, sure. You're right. Um, <laughs> and then she is Queen Margot the Destroyer. Yes. With the most appropriate name you could give to a character for their I I gotta say, and I didn't see this coming in the beginning, but by the end of season four, Margot's definitely my favorite character. Because in season one, she is the mean girl. She is... She's, she's Regina George. She's Regina George... With a gay best friend, uh-huh. and she only is there for setting him up or sort of, you know, striking when he sets it up. Yeah. You know, she's there for the punchline. She's like a sidekick. Yeah. She's and Elliot's not, sidekick. Not to be laughed at, but to, yeah. to like. She's, yeah, she's his, she's his hype man. She's, she's yes. just, she's, but she is very much Elliot's sidekick yes. in the beginning. Mm-hmm. She, she isn't really her own, she's not an actor in her own right yet. Right. And then throughout that season, I would even say, when he gets a boyfriend, she has to become her own person. Yeah. And then she makes a genie. <laughs> yeah, the, the gin. <laughs> That's very cute. 
Oh, man, back when things were just fun and cute. Right? Oh, funny magical mishap. Oh, Oh, no. no. It was a genie. It was a genie, and I made your boyfriend suck on a doorknob. (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. We'll put it all back. We're going to go to Ibiza. 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 (laughs) (laughs) And then now it's like, okay, fascist magic government. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I kind of want to talk about those kinds of themes in this show because, like, it does start out mostly just sort of, like, fun and sort of the what if is, like, what if your childhood dream came true but it turns out it was terrible? Yeah. Like, what if Narnia was real but it was a terrible place to go and it was very, very dangerous and there was a big evil monster there? Yeah. You know, what if magic was real and you were a magician but but it, it ruined your it ruins view of your, your entire child yeah it, and it ruins your life like you make huge mistakes and you can't take them back and you know everything is harder now that you're a magician and i think one thing that's really relatable about this show is, is that whole thing like we have been finding out that our heroes from our childhood and from our parents childhood <laughs> are monsters yeah and he finds out his hero who wrote his favorite book series is a Not, predator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 a predator in so many senses of the right, word. Yeah. Like he's a monster in every conceivable way yeah. that he could be. Like it's he's he's like an evil magical tyrant and also he's a pedophile. Yeah. Like cool, cool, cool. Love <laughs> it. Yeah. My life is good. Being a magician is fun. Okay, and then the callback in season 4 when he signs the book for when Quinn. When he signs the book. <laughs> God. Just like, go die. Go die, die but he already. can't die. He can't die. <laughs> Which is probably a curse, but I don't think he's going to mind. Yeah. He's evil. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and I, okay. Yeah, and I love the twist that it's not him that's the beast. Yeah, the, the monster that is a reveal that this person is you know a child abusing monster a pedophile who is also they also assume is, is the murdering people yeah as this mutant magician mm-hmm. it's not him it's his victim it's his victim and this show is so much about the um continuation of cycles of abuse yeah and cycles of abuse yeah uh, yeah it's really hard (laughs) it's really difficult yeah um yeah because then that is such a like a crappy you know it's like oh it turns out that like the person the person that we already hated isn't the person we were hating yeah because plover the writer he's you know and in fact they have to like get his help sometimes like they hate him and they they're disgusted by him but sometimes he's their greatest ally he's their greatest asset yeah or he's their only option (laughs) he's their only option yeah and it's like what do you do when like and then you have to defeat the boy he harmed as an adult like like the the monster he made yeah the monster he made who self-actualized himself into somebody who can't be hurt uh huh. And you're just like, but what? I, <laughs> I have conflict in my heart. It's very difficult. Yeah. And that's what is so enticing about the show. It, 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 it's not easy. It's not easy. And they don't have a good time about it. They don't. Everything is so, so hard. And, and so it really does lean on these really likable characters because these are such 
awful scenarios to be put on that like it wouldn't be enjoyable to watch unless you really were rooting for them yeah mm-hmm. yeah i mean okay so we've got that sort of dilemma going on i want to talk about alice yes let's talk about alice let's talk about alice because she goes through a lot of transformation every season she transforms She's in a lot of literal ways yeah literal ways emotional ways psychological ways even by episode three of the first season. So she's, she breaks into this magical school so she can find out what happened to her brother who died. Mm-hmm. A, she breaks into a magical school that you're not supposed to be able to break into. Yes, she's a To take genius. a test that's supposed to pick you. She's, she's, she's a genius. She's exactly. a magical genius. And she ends up doing the same thing that her brother did and it's like oh man like that's great you know that because ultimately their their trait their what they really share is their need to help others at their own expense yeah you know that's what her brother did and and man can we talk about her brother for a second though because like dude should not have had to have that happen to him because it's like Mayakovsky didn't want to date this girl and so she fucked herself up with magic and so this boy died about it like he became a niffin just because this girl fucked her face up like dude I mean again trauma perpetuating itself you know and it's like gosh like that wasn't your mess to clean up it wasn't and like probably not the best way to handle it either like he was it was such an impulsive thing to do to put himself in harm's way for that reason yeah and stupid mayakovsky stupid he's still so fucking likable i know i like him so much (laughs) he's such a monster but he's so fucking funny he's just like selfish he's selfish he, he doesn't mean to hurt people he just doesn't really mind if he does yeah yeah and he's, he has consequences for it. He does. He does. He's, he's trapped in Antarctica by himself. He's living alone in Antarctica because of that. Um, so anyway, yeah, I just had to get some justice for him because I'm like, you dude not have niffin for that. But so yeah, Alice. And so Alice's sacrifice is a lot more good, you know? Well, yeah, because she's not only trying to save her friends... Mm-hmm. But also two worlds. Right. She's stopping a, like a literal monster. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, and worth it? A monster that she previously, moments before, had enough magic to defeat. Yeah, I know. Oh, that hurts. That's the joke. The show. The show. <laughs> she should have been able to do it. And she did it once, but then she runs out of juice and she just goes for it anyway. Juice. And then, and then, <laughs> that's what they say. I know, but it's oh. juice. Okay, okay. Yeah. She runs out of juice. <laughs> um <laughs> God, the magicians. Yes, right. <laughs> um another uh thing in that moment, it's like as soon as she loses her soul, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, she she loses her body and her shade. And her shade, which is basically her, her soul, but her, a little her little humanity, yeah. her her conscience. Her delivers like such a cool line she's like i meant to do that and then just kills him uh-huh because there's still some alice in there like she knows what she's oh, yeah. doing because she's 
And she's like, oh yeah, no, this she's is what a, I should do. She's just an unlimited genius now. Yes. And she then, just is not constrained by the limits of human magic. Yes. Or morality. Or morality. Yes. I appreciate, though, that, you know, she niffins, and then she can do the thing, and she still wants to. You know, she's like, yeah, well, yeah, this is what I was doing. Like, it would be stupid Yeah, not you're to. in my way. You're it would be stupid you're not threatening to. my magic. Yes. So, but then she goes and... Then she tries to attack Quentin. Because... Because she doesn't care. Yeah. And because he hurt her. Yes. <laughs> and so he has to... Kill her, uh, quotation marks. Yeah, yeah, that gets complicated. <laughs> yeah. But her her arc over the four seasons is very up and down. Right, because she spends that long time as a Niffin, and then when they finally put her back, and it She's is... She's like, fuck you. <laughs> like, I hate being a person. I hate living in a body. It's like, so I hate gross, being but so give stupid. me bacon. <laughs> yeah, the only thing I love is bacon. <laughs> And then they fight so hard to bring magic back, and she's like, "No, yeah, that's maybe that's not I right." I know better than anyone. I disagree. How dangerous magic is. I disagree, and then they're all gonna hate her for it. Yeah, oh, Alice. Which honestly, she was probably right. I don't know. I don't know if I would make the same decision, but for the good of all of their <laughs> safety. I mean, and, and that's like, the tough thing. It's like, do they have any right like that's the way the world was already do they have an obligation to put it back put it back do they have any yeah. right to make that choice like mm-hmm. what will they be happy because they weren't happy with magic right but they weren't were other people you right. know it's not just about them yeah. it's about every magician in the world and so, every non-magician yeah <laughs> yeah um so yeah alice has a really really interesting story of like this person who just goes through these really bizarre phases and and has a different understanding of the world than anyone else can have yeah because as far as we're aware she's the only person who's ever come back from being a niffin yeah and she there are others that grew up with magic but she really grew up with magic right more than any of the other yeah her parents are professional magicians yes the only other person that grew up with magic that we know of is katie and that was a whole other thing. That was a whole other thing. That was a different side of magic. That yes. was underground and mm-hmm. criminal magic. Criminal magic, yeah. Whereas, like her parents, or Alice's parents, are like respectable members of the magician community. And they're so, they're so fucking much. much. They're so much. I love them though. They're very entertaining. I, if if anybody watches the show. Please let us know how you feel about specifically Alice's parents. Yeah. Because I feel like they're so polarizing. Yeah. Specifically her mother. Oh, yeah. I mean, because she's awful, but she's She's great. She's horrible, but such good TV. Uh Uh-huh. Very much like Cersei. Yeah. You know, where you're just like, I hate everything about you, but I just want to hear you yell at me more. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So that's sort of alice's deal um okay julia julia is a character that i think most people should like but i don't th- for some reason for yeah you were telling me about someone so my coworker i made watch this sh- or told to watch the show and yeah. she got hooked and she doesn't like julia and i think it's because julia is very unsure of herself even though she's super competent she's super she like and has after had to f- after Alice, she is the most competent yeah. character. And she has to fight for so much. She does. I don't really understand disliking her because it's like she she makes such sympathetic choices. You know, in the beginning of the show when she was 
I was a little on the fence. I was like, where's this going? Like, what, who really are you? Because basically she starts out in crisis. And so we don't get to see her normal self. And yeah. so she, she had a rocky start. I think a lot of the characters had a rocky start. It was a rocky start in the show. <laughs> but over time, I came to really love her. Like, she's she's really admirable. She has made, had to, literally had to make the toughest decisions in the whole show. The most human decisions. Yeah. Which is funny. Because Which is funny she's... because she stops being human for a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, she and Alice, I've been thinking about how she and Alice really mirror each other in a lot of yeah. ways. Their attitudes, they're like, they're really different people. But they go through really similar stuff. Mm-hmm. They, and they both see the world and magic very differently from Yeah, they're else. kind of foils for yeah. each other. Mm-hmm. Which is neat. And they're the two that are generally opposed to the main group. Yeah, if it's not one, it's the other. Yeah. <laughs> They've got a problem with one of them. <laughs> um, and yeah. Quentin's in love with both of them. To yeah, his he's, core. He's got a type. <laughs> he's got a thing. He does. He does, yeah. Yeah. Girls who can kick his ass. <laughs> well, then you'd think he'd be absolutely obsessed with Katie. <laughs> or Margo. All the girls in the show could kick his oh, ass. yeah. All yeah. the girls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Literally every character could kick his ass. But, like, just these these really fiercely intelligent women. Oh, yes. That's really, I think, what, what Quentin admires in, in a woman is is just being extremely intelligent. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's it's funny how, like, Alice starts out as, like, a very good girl type character and dresses that way dresses that way she's very cute and she's very quiet and she's you know she's sort of like testy but she's you know she's good and she's a good student and she's smart and she's right yeah um and julia is like in dire straits yeah you know she's in a really dark i need magic at any cost she's she's yeah she's in a super dark place and she does some really bad things because she's been, de- and then we find out, like, oh well, yeah, she's been deprived of something she does actually literally deserve, like and deserve, and also something that she had, and and we still don't know exactly how the timelines work, mm-hmm. but that they there is some power in the fact that they happened, mm-hmm. and she was given that thing in thirty nine timelines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she she like demonstrably deserves to yeah. go to break bills. And she has been specifically deprived of it. For intentionally so. Yes. Intentionally and specifically deprived. So, you know, for her to be in a really dark place is only natural. Even yeah. if she doesn't know that. Right. <laughs> and then, like, they, you know, Alice becomes a Niffin when Julia finds religion. Like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She found a religion, but it was also sort of like the introduction to the gods and demigods. Well, sort that's of how it sort of functions yes. in the scheme of the show. Yeah. But as as a sort of a character moment, it's when she tr- is trying to find redemption and she's trying to find a better way. And a healthier way to understand magic. Too bad it was a lie. <laughs> well, it was all best intentions, uh-huh. but... Yeah, no, and it wasn't her fault. But you know, the, she the, was... The quote... You can't unring a bell. You can't, yeah. you know, be careful what you wish for. Yes. But she was duped. Like, she she was taken advantage of. Yeah. Uh, where, when she was, you know, she was trying to do a good thing. 
That sucks. <laughs> it does suck. <laughs> that really, really it does sucks. Suck. Like, she wanted to do something so altruistic. She wanted to help people. She wanted to do good in the world. And that is her impulse, I think. Yeah. Once we really find, you know, she's desperate to do magic because she wants to, to, to affect things. She wants to change things. And once she's able to really be herself and do what she wants to do, what she wants to do is be altruistic. She yeah. wants to help people. Mm-hmm. She's very uh, generous, as a person, mm-hmm. um, and and then well, like when she tries later on, tries to give Alice her magic because mm-hmm. she doesn't want it because yeah. it comes from such a horrible yeah. Or see, the the way that their characters intersect in all of these moments, they're like, oh, we're not fighting anymore because I need you, right? But like you know, uh, Alice is so miserable without magic, and Julia's like, I can do something about that, and I don't want this magic, so I give it to you, and then. Alice has to do the thing and say, like, this is wrong. Like, this isn't my magic. And you need to have it. And we both need to accept that this is the way that it has to be. And it's not the way either of us want it. But these are our responsibilities. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. I love love the interplay of their characters. It's real. And it's funny because they don't really, like, have a very significant relationship yeah Yeah. i mean they like know each other and they you know become cordial with one another and they're in a sex dream with quint of quintons that (laughs) so funny especially because of how early on that is right it's like in the first few episodes i I was totally respect the shit out of both of you (laughs) this dream would pass the bechdel test if you would just just shut shut up up or something (laughs) (laughs) so good so so good but yeah julia i i really love her because she becomes this really selfless loving kind of a person yeah and i don't think it's just the you know the the becoming a god thing yeah. like i think that's who she is in the type and that's why she's the type of deity yeah. <laughs> that she is is because that's that's really Authentic. So much so that she gives up being a deity to mm. help people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. Really, really cool. Really cool. Hey, let's talk about Elliot. Ugh. Let's talk about Elliot. Let's talk about Elliot. So from moment one, he's like the fave. He's just, he's the most colorful character. He's colorful and he's witty and he's like sexy and mm-hmm. he's um, just fun he's so much fun he's fun in because a way that else... other characters aren't yes especially initially mm-hmm. because he's the partier he's the he's the one who's he's the good time guy the drinks he's you know he's only showing you what he wants to show you he's so carefully curated so carefully curated and he even says it like that i think mm-hmm. in the show um yeah that's sort of his whole thing is you know he he doesn't tell people, you know, where he came from. He doesn't tell people about how he grew up because it doesn't fit the image that yeah. he wants. And, you know, in some ways it's him hiding, but it's all, in other ways you could say he is choosing who to be. Yeah. You know, he he is claiming it. Yeah, he's he's made a choice and he's 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 owned his own life. Uh, he he's taking it away from the people who would define him yes Uh, which is amazing yeah it's amazing but but he also does have a great level of fear about where he came from yeah and he has to and is constantly tormented (laughs) by his own memories and thus abuses his body and that's why we had that great great trip through 
Elliot's Memories episode. Mm-hmm. In season four. Yeah. Where he has to figure out his biggest shame. <laughs> <sighs> I'm gonna die about it. Um, but he's just so... Especially because we see the first relationship... The first romantic relationship we see him in uh-huh. ends as poorly as one could. Yes, with one murdering the other. Yes. Oh no, my boyfriend's possessed. I have to kill him. Instantly. Without a second thought. Oh, it's so traumatic. It's just like... Yeah, ugh. he just makes a split second decision. He's and like, like, this is not him. I have to stop him. He knew, man. Yeah, like that was so smart and so... Heartbreaking. Yeah. Oof. Oof. And he even, he even revealed to that person that he wasn't, he wasn't from, you know, yeah, the Kennedy, he didn't he somewhere at the He opened up in a way he hadn't opened up to anyone except for presumably Marco. Yeah. Like, she's the only other person that he let in in that way. Yeah. And, and oh, it was a trick. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. It's hard to tell. I think it was like part a trick. Mm-hmm. Part. <sighs> yeah. But he... I mean, he's got a really interesting sort of journey, too, because he's the first to really become not a break bills person anymore. Like, he gets stuck in fillery, and he can't leave. He's like, okay, well, this is my life now. And he becomes committed to the fillery thing in a way that no one else does. Yeah. Um, Which is, I did not see coming. Right, because... And... He makes the the decision. He has the choice to marry to marry Fen, Fen or not. and 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 as far as he knows, the only part that he knows is that um, I, I can't remember exactly how much he knows in that first moment. Mm-hmm. I think it's that he can't leave. Yes, he, he, knows he knows that he makes the choice. Like, yeah, well, knowing that there are more things that are a bit later, but knowing that yeah and i i do kind of wonder at his where he is as a character at that time and like what his motivations were i think he's he's he sort of explains it as my life's not going great over there so maybe this is a fresh start. maybe this is a fresh start yeah he's just sort of like blowing it up i've already almost drunk myself to death yeah yeah he decides to uh to really fully commit to the identity of hiking a fillery because he's like well I, 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 How much I made, worse could it be? <laughs> yeah, well, and it's it seems like that's sort of like a, like an Elliot thing. Like it's you know he left his childhood to become a new adult, and you know he went into adulthood with a new identity and and you know a new life, and he's he completely cut ties with his youth, mm-hmm. um, and you know in sort of a psychological way, and then that blew up and so he's like this is like that on steroids where he's like i am so cutting ties with that life like it's done uh you know i can't i can't go back yeah not only do i not want to i cannot i'm fully committed Mm -hmm. um though it is kind of interesting when he does end up being able to go back to break bills and he like really does miss being the break bills guy like, it has been replaced. He's been replaced and he By doesn't Todd. like it. Like, I bet if he went back home to the farm and there was some other kid living his life there, he would not envy that. Right. Like, he would not. Yeah. He wouldn't feel like he had been, yeah, he, nothing had been taken away from him yeah. there. So things weren't as bad, you know, at break bills, as, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but 
I just love Elliot. He's a sweet He's boy. funny. He's charming. He's... He's tragic. Tragic. He's beautiful. Yeah. He... And he's very involved in the finale. Mm-hmm. Even though he's really not in that episode very much. Yeah. The implications. Yes. And that's why everybody who watches the show is mad and sad at the same time right yeah, now. Yeah, do we want to just talk about it? I think we have to. We have to. So uh, this is the point of no return. Yes. This is where we... This is where, is where all the, the articles that are about the finale have the big spoiler warning box mm-hmm. that's like, do not go further if you do not Yeah, want. we've warned you as much as we possibly can. If you're still listening... Then it's because you mean to. It's because it's intentional mm-hmm. and you're, you're going to be sad if you didn't watch the show up to this point and I'm going to be mad at you. Yes. That, that being said, I totally understand not minding spoilers. And I know a lot of people that need spoilers ahead of time for whatever reason. Yes. I know a lot of people and like, that and I will say this. can't handle it if, if they don't uh, aren't prepared. And I sort of guessed it by yeah. the time we arrived well, there. By how yes, emotional. Yes, it was and sort up. of you were doing a bad job of hiding <laughs> it. Uh but I don't mind. Um so Because you don't know how it's gonna happen. Yes. Yeah. Our boy Quentin dies. He dies for good. Heroically. Heroically for good, and the actor is quitting the show. Yes. He is, so it's, there's no, it's not, you know, oh, Penny died, but he's still But he's in the underworld, and there's another one of him. Yeah. It's not Marina, who we just love her, but oh, here's another version of her. We just got a new Marina. There's, Quentin's gone. Truly gone. Uh, And this is. it hurts like fucking hell. And they just, they made it worse because they told us that Elliot's in love with him. I know. It makes it so much worse because it's like Elliot idiot like now you can't make it right like quentin wanted to have a relationship with you and you ran away and now it's too late i can't handle it oh my god (laughs) it's too late and the way they reveal that too because it's because we, it's like an extended scene from season three. Mm-hmm. There's an episode in season three where we see them living a whole life together in a day. And they come back from that and they're like, did that actually happen? And he's like, yeah. He's, and then we, he, he's just like, okay. And then later in season four, in his, mem- a, his mind a, palace. We get a continuation. We get a of continuation the of the scene where Quentin, the cute, floppy haired. Sad boy. Sad boy is like, <laughs> should we give it a shot? Should we be should, a couple. Would be, should we be a couple? And and Elliot's like Elliot, who absolutely has loved him since day one, has is always like, thought he was cute. And he's like, and now they're like, I mean, they're bonded for life. Like they're family. They raised a child together. Yes. <laughs> like they are family, regardless of you know what type of specific relationship they have. They are bonded forever. And he says, "Let's forget about it." Yeah, he's like, "No, let's not. No, it's not real." It's and not. that's his biggest regret. Yeah, it's my biggest regret. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons why people are so upset about the finale. They are upset that a major queer character dies, which they feel feeds into the kill your queers trope. I think that the magicians gets a pass on that considering everybody's bisexual in this show. Yes. Everyone is. So it's like, well, I mean. That means you can't ever kill anyone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I, like, can you think of a character that you're certain is heterosexual? Perhaps Penny. 
perhaps Penny, but he's an ally for sure. <laughs> That's true he because is. because when he, he saw the ghost boys and he's like, but why oh, is he freaking like, out? It's just two dudes kissing. Yeah. This is nice. Like they're sweet. Why are you so weirded out about it? Like don't be weird. Hyman might be heterosexual. Hyman is. He is. Yes. He's like I relate to this straight white heterosexual. Yes, character. Hyman is. Penny probably straight, but he's cool. Oh, super ally at the end too when he's taking that test from that other guy in the underworld and he's oh, like, oh yeah, he's like, he's oh like, he's an ally to everybody. He's like, good. he's like, you can't think so, uh, white male protagonist. Yeah, I love it. That's a great scene. And I'm glad that Penny has it because he starts out crappy. He's kind of got a lot of toxic masculinity for a lot he's of the show. so much. Like, I wanted to like him, but he kept making it hard. Yeah, he's physical. He's angry. And he's, you know, he's homophobic. I mean, not homophobic, but he's like... I don't know what to call it when it's not necessarily about. I would call it internalized. It's yeah. He's definitely uh, got femphobia. a lot. He's got a lot of internalized misogyny. Well, yeah. He's got. He's misogynistic in, yeah. in certain yeah. really weird mm-hmm. ways. He's got. Yeah. He 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 belittles. You know when he's like Taylor Swift. What do you oh, like? Oh, that makes my heart hurt now yeah. that he said that yeah. in the past. Yeah. He so he was he was <sighs> crappy and toxic, yeah. and he got. So good. He did. I mean, he had to die. He had to die. (laughs) But death becomes him. (laughs) Well, and one might even say death of Quentin becomes the show. Mm -hmm. Because let's pretend he doesn't die at the end of the season. Mm -hmm. What's the next season? There's no stakes. Well, and I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. I mean, that would definitely, yeah, weaken the stakes of it. But, like, I'm not totally sure, like... What's going to happen next? Well, and that's but. fun. It is but fun. Like, I'm excited to find Quentin out. Quentin there, you're like, okay, there's going to be a twist and they'll have to deal with it. Right. It feels Without safe. Without him. Everything's They have to question. figure out their own fucking lives. Mm-hmm. Like, Elliot has to recover in a major way. From physically, a lot. Physically and emotionally. Yes. And psychologically. So Julia has to recover physically and emotionally as well. Yes. Everybody. Alice... The guy she just got back with just, just died, died saving her life. In front of her. In front of her. Vaporized. <laughs> yes. <sighs> yeah, I had been suspecting that Quentin was going to die. And then when he and Alice made up, I was all but certain of it. I was yeah. like, oh, they wouldn't have this if it wasn't going to be taken away immediately. Yeah, because the, sh- the show doesn't give you anything. Yeah. You never get things. Yeah, you don't get to, you don't get to be happy. <sighs> yeah, <you> idiot. <laughs> idiot. Yeah. So I'm not mad. I mean, I'm sad. Oh yeah. I'm gonna miss Quentin, and it was really tragic and beautiful. Yeah. And that funeral scene was heartbreaking. How did they turn "Take on Me" into a beautiful funerary dirge? I don't know how they did it, but. I'm not mad in the Mm. way that people are mad. Like, I think it was good writing. (laughs) Like, it's, it's... I think people are mad because it's, uh, it's hard to separate sadness from anger. I mean, true. Especially when... I just can't... We get each other so angry about our, our media. Well, yeah, and that's kind of what I'm feeling is like, guys, I love this show. It's a story. This is a fictional and a story, and this is how stories, like, it's like, I, 
yeah, I'm sad and I'm going to miss that character, but like nobody actually died. Like I don't So blaming the the showrunners specifically, I think is a little irresponsible because it was a collaboration, the decision right. to kill him. I mean, it's just like such a juvenile response. I feel. And and the, the the response to just attack them is understandable in some ways because we have been scorned so many times by irresponsible use of killing queer characters. Sure, but I, if they're watching the same show I'm watching... You're going to get some more gay kissing. Well, <laughs> what know? I mean is like, yeah, sure, bad things have, have you know, it's it's been crappy and it's still crappy in some things, but like I'm watching The Magicians and that's not what's happening here. I'm... If you've watched it, you should know that. Like, yeah. it, I don't think that there is... I don't think that concern in this case is valid. Yeah. Uh, and I think that they're looking for an argument to make. And it's like, well, that's an argument. That's a... That's a... That's part of the discourse. Yeah. You know, that's something they can use as part of the discourse. When really what they're feeling in their heart of hearts is... Don't take my Quentin away from me. And that's it. That's really all it is. Yeah. Because I'm watching this show and they're not, you know, they're not burying the gays. They're not doing that. That's no. <laughs> there's there's too many of them. <laughs> there's too many of they're them. They're unstoppable. Yeah. And it's like I mean, we've just barely figured out that he's a little gay. Like it's not like And he's never even said the word. No, he was just like, "Hey, we lived a life together and I liked doing that." So yeah. like do you want to try living our lives together? Yeah. That's it. And I, it would have been beautiful. And I'm sad that we don't get to have that. But would it have been beautiful is another question. Because everything else is tragedy. Yeah. But like their... Oh, well, they, we, it, their, their, day, their life in a day was beautiful. It was beautiful. And their relationship, I feel, has always been... You know, like they... they you know, they've had issues, but like everybody does in, in any relationship that's meaningful. But like, they work. They do work. Like, Quentin was right. Yeah. They, they work. Mm -hmm. So, uh, it's sad. But like, that's what makes it a good story. Yeah. Because it made me feel a thing. It made me feel a thing that I feel in real life sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I don't think that they're... I think that it was a good choice. I think that it was a healthy choice for the show. Mm -hmm. People may be abandoning ship, but how much press is this getting? Um, <laughs> like, honestly, right? like, I can't stop talking about this. I loved the show before and tried to get as many people to watch it before. But with this ending of season four, I'm like, you have to watch this and feel the thing I felt. Right. Uh, and, like, that's a sign of a really good story. And, and like, I wonder if as, like, a fiction writer, I think about it differently than people who are only Viewers. consumers. Yeah. Like, and I don't mean to, that in a shady way. Like, yeah. not everybody wants to write fiction. And, and not everybody wants to watch a show for the story. Some people are like, oh, I want those two to kiss. Yes. And sure, okay. And they do. They kiss twice. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, I wonder if I have a particular perspective yeah. on it and that, as somebody possible. who, like, I studies think, story structure and yeah. writing. 
And I think that's how you and I have survived because it fucking <laughs> hurts. Yeah. Like me going through that alone <laughs> when I watched it, I was like, scream. You saw my reaction. Yeah, you. That night you were, after or whatever. You were. Yeah, I was a bad, mess. You were, yeah. You I were couldn't a bad stop way. pacing. You were in a bad way. <laughs> I was in a bad way. And it's so. And another thing about it, like watching it with someone. Mm-hmm. is so it's intense a, it is the show is so much better when you have a viewer to watch it with yeah oh and it's just fun it's fun and there's so much joy and so much there's really not too much heartache i would say there's some no really difficult emotions uh-huh. that are delved into but the 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 heartache is saved for the really important and stuff. i don't know if i've encountered too many stories that really make me feel this strongly yeah and it really does come down to these characters and the actors. They're so Okay, so good. anyone. Everyone. Hire these people. <laughs> get them. You're going to get such good fucking performances, specifically s- from Jason Ralph and uh, Summer Bichel. Yes. Oh my God, Summer Bichel. She's unstoppable in this show. She's, she's got everything. She, and, and that's literally a character point for her in the season four. Mm-hmm. When when she's talking to her her Elliot version of herself. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> she's like, I am smart, I'm beautiful, and I'm powerful, and it's still not enough. People can't accept People all three. People can't of accept things. all three. Yeah. And she's and like, so I true. am all three, and I'm so ashamed of it. Yeah. <gasps> and she, but then she fucking self-actualizes in the desert. And she, well, and a woman helps her. Oh! Yeah, no. She's got the best. She's the best. Margo's the best. best yeah. She goes through best so much. Best fashion. Best quips. Best. Best acting. Best scenes. Best everything. She's the best. Yeah. And she's, and I mean, you know, she's got Elliot as her, you know, her partner in life. He's her backup. He's her rock. But she does it herself. Especially when she's without him, she makes shit happen. She is so strong. She fucking helps kill a god. <laughs> and and never once does it feel untrue. Yeah. You know, everything that she goes through and every single way that she responds to it, like, it feels so true. And she true. explains herself, too, mm-hmm. which is very unlike a lot of people. Yeah. Well, because she's extremely pragmatic yeah. as a person you know and that's that's one thing i love she's sort of defying those stereotypes you know she's like the hot girl and you don't expect the hot girl to be so pragmatic so smart so, so... she i mean she's just like i i don't like everything that i have to do but i believe that I have in to do it. yeah i believe in these choices that i'm I making have to act. i this i'm i have responsibilities and I will not run away from them. Yeah. She's what Daenerys could have turned into. <laughs> yeah, if she was a stronger and less insane person. <laughs> well, but Margot, I would say, to to most people, is has this level of, I don't want to say insanity, but like, she's just operating on a different level. Yes. You know? But she's, she is, she is a compassionate person. Yeah. And when she goes too far, she she's like, oh shit, I went too far. Yeah, well, and the interesting thing is, you know, she feels so responsible to her position in Fillory, but it never seems like she's doing it for 
being queen. For yeah, yeah. She, it's not that she wants this adoration. Yeah, it's not that she you know she's like I'm the best at the fucking job. Yeah, she deserves this job. She is the most qualified candidate and she recognizes that these people need her mm-hmm. and it's not that that she you know she, they they need her and so she must be loved and she must be she's willing no, to she's be like, hated. gonna hate this yeah she's willing to do the hard thing and she and and she's i mean i, I i'd have to really think hard to make sure but like i i i venture to say she's always right you know, she's at least nearly always right when she makes those calls. I think she's best when she has someone to help her along the way. She's got, yeah, someone to sort of offer another perspective. Because she starts to sort of go a little extreme after Elliot's gone. Mm-hmm. But then Josh steps in. Yeah, she 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 needs she needs somebody to sort of... Slow her down a little. Slow her down, but also who can get out of the way when she's unstoppable. Mm -hmm. Someone who trusts her and that she trusts. She needs a partner, Mm -hmm. but but she can do it alone. And Mm -hmm. she does and she has. And she's so She's She's my hero. She's my hero. Yeah. She's my hero. (laughs) And we also need to talk about Jason Ralph specifically this season. Yeah. And I think... In some ways, he had a bit of an unfair advantage knowing what he knew about what was going to happen to his character that Mm. none of the rest of the cast knew. Right. So he's like, okay, this is my chance to really step it up. Mm -hmm. And it's not like he wasn't stepping up before. But he he was really giving it his all. He had, you know, a year's worth of thinking about how... How to leave this character. How to leave this character and what his actual co-stars were going to have. Like, he had all of that to bring to his performance. Uh All the emotions he knew he was going to have. And he just killed it. Yes. Yeah, no, he's he's definitely my favorite Quentin is season four Quentin. And it's like, I feel like his performance in that season, the vulnerability he shows, makes previous Quentin so much more believable Mm -hmm. makes life in a day Quentin possible Mm -hmm. and I I I especially love uh his way of dealing with the monster because he he is so patient you know and that that is something really admirable about Quentin he has a level of patience that a lot of the other characters don't have. Mm-hmm. He, you know, there there are definitely, you know, Julia is so so compassionate and so giving and, you know, these other characters have all these other really admirable traits, but he has this it, it, a, a surprising level of sort of calm. Well, because he can he knows he can take a hit. Mm-hmm. Cuz nobody can hurt him. Mm-hmm. the way that he's already been hurt. Or he's, like, he's a little bit fearless because of what he's been through, you think? And and, and I think some would, could argue that, that, and do argue in many of the things I've read, that that's a death wish. But, but maybe I, that's I his truth. But 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 what I'm referring we don't to have is, a lot of is the patience that. that he shows with the monster. You know, yeah. he doesn't, he's not reckless with the monster. He's, he's kind and he's i mean i don't know another word for it other than patience you know he can deal with the monster in a a really good way like he he is the reason that the monster 
starts Even starts to have a heart. Ha- yeah, it starts having a heart. Like he grows that he, in the monster. He is the only reason that you feel bad when the monster dies. Because he he gave something from his heart mm-hmm. to this monster. Yeah. And it's and it is that And the that, connection between him and Elliot fostered this uh-huh. creature to have a soul. Yeah, it's his capacity for love. Ah. <laughs> Yeah, it is It is nice because, you know, a lot of Quentin's sort of role is to be there and be like, oh, no, I suck and I don't know what's happening and I'm having a crisis all the time. But for him to really handle that situation in the way that he does, it's like, okay, there's a monster inside Elliot's body. Like, let's get it out. Let's let's deal with this. And he, you know, he can cope in, in surprising ways with this really horrifying situation and and he does it with love and he rises to every occasion too Mm -hmm. like oh this place that i dreamed about visiting my entire childhood and adulthood Mm -hmm. sucks and i have to come to terms with that and he does and i still have to love it and he does kind of kind of (laughs) enough you can love the idea of something Mm mm-hmm Ugh. Uh, ah, please okay. talk to us on twitter about please, this show anything we need to talk to you it's my favorite show ever I think. yeah it's wonderful okay yeah let's 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 pose some questions to the listeners like who's your favorite character and why yes because all options are valid yes every option even is. some of the like smaller characters even some of the unlikable characters marina's fucking amazing she is so good um you know zelda is pretty pretty likable oh in yeah ways. she's super sympathetic and really really well crafted really well drawn character um you know josh takes a while to really get into it but once he's there he's, once he's a f- fully built cast member he's just too too good yeah i love him i love him and he's they're so cute mm-hmm. josh and Margot. It's so sweet. I would, for me, Penny's not my favorite, but he also doesn't necessarily get all of the best moments. He's, I mean, I, I he's, like Penny 40. Penny 40. I like Penny 40, but Penny 23, well, Penny 23 is, is basically Penny 40. Chilled out a little. Chilled out. Well, and like, if Penny 40 was with them because he's learned so much, you know? Yes. But, and I, I like, yeah, he's, he's given the, some of the tough stuff. He's given the unpleasant stuff. Yeah. But I think that he's a really well, I mean, they're, the characters are just all so well drawn that it's like, there's reasons to love them all. And I do. (laughs) So yeah. Who do you love the most? I don't think I dislike a single character. (sighs) No. No, I don't like think so. even minor, like even villains, even mm-hmm. well. I mean, I don't really care about um, the villain of season four, the other villain, because he just kind of shows up a little bit. Um, the, the library da- dude. Oh yeah, he's just sort of like an obstacle. Yeah. Yeah, he's barely even there. I mean, he's a fascist monster, <laughs> but like he's barely got any screen time. Yeah. Like he's mostly an idea. Yeah, and that's fine. Yeah, no, it, it, it was appropriate. I think yeah. because we had other. Things, to things deal with. going yeah. on, and it's like, well, we don't need to check in with him. Yeah. Like, he's just doing his library thing. Mm-hmm. And then even Alice's mom, I love her. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's so much to love about this show. 
But yeah, what what's your what's your favorite character? Um, how do you how do you feel about season four's ending? Uh, let's not get too uh, let's keep it civil. But I'm curious what other people's well, and, thoughts are. And I am very sympathetic to people who feel scorned in some way because I know that that comes from just being upset. Mm-hmm. And it's upsetting, and I'm upset. But I also liked it a lot, mm-hmm. and I'm going to watch it probably now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and 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 another thing that that people brought up too was um, the suicidal ideation. Mm-hmm. But I felt like in the text of the show, yes, that that was denounced. Yeah, and I yes. Yes, not only is it, you know, like, is it, the, sh- it, the show is very careful about how it handles the concept of suicide. And, yeah, I do think that in the end it is like, no, this was, you know, this was a noble choice that you made and it wasn't about you wanting to die. It was about you wanting your friends to make. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I understand if you are a person who believes that there are certain subjects that just can't be talked about but you Um, shouldn't be watching the magicians (laughs) right and it's like i personally disagree i think that there are wrong ways to talk about a lot of subjects Mm -hmm. i don't think this was wrong yeah um i think that they were compassionate and respectful and responsible um and i i i do think that it is reasonable to tell stories about these things and i honestly i think that it's necessary it's not necessary for everyone to consume all of them Mm -hmm. but i think that it is necessary to tell stories about these things and the line in particular that people are upset about is in is quentin's secret that he takes to the grave Mm -hmm. is did i do it to save them a he's very confused in that moment because he just died he just died he's like what's (laughs) happening i'm so upset well yeah that's a lot. It's overwhelming. Yeah. And And also Penny... this is like this is a lifelong fear that he has had. Yeah. This is a, something he has it's always struggled with. It's his greatest fear that he'll succumb to himself. Yeah. And 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 so like it's he's very afraid reasonable. that he's not strong enough. It's very reasonable that to to ju- to doubt himself. Mhm. But I think yeah, I think that the place that he's in at that moment it is it is not that he is not strong enough to live. It's that he's strong enough to make a hard choice. And it's also like, was I, what was I doing it out of the love of my friends? Like, did I really love them that much? And it's like, yeah, you, you super did. did. <laughs> you definitely, definitely did. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think the show did it right. And in the subsequent scene, Penny Forty shows him. No, dude. <laughs> you're, you're, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> you're good. Yeah. He's like, I would know. <laughs> I work for literally Hades. <laughs> yeah. Like, I see a lot of death and yours was a good death. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> and like the, the result of which is so much potential for these characters mm-hmm. to have. You've given them a, a, you've a new world. You've changed their story. Because what if they can be happy now? I mean, that's fucked up to say. I know, think that. and it's not like because it's not he's because gone. he died, but because they 
have changed. He's given them something. He's giving. He's given them something, and we don't know what it is yet. <laughs> he's given them love. Uh huh. Oh fuck. Yeah. Okay. I think, <laughs> I'm like teary eyed. <laughs> I think. I think this is. I think we. This is. I think we've reached the end of. Because we could go forever, but I think that's a good. Yeah. Look forward to. Two weeks from now when we talk about only episode one of the magician season. Right, let's just do a, <laughs> a full watch or whatever. Yeah, let's just do, let's make another podcast where we just go episode by episode. No, there's already no. shows. I think no, we don't need to. There's no. there's plenty out there. <sighs> but But if you want to do that, I'm game. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody out there? <laughs> yeah, if you're if, if you want us to, no, we probably No, no, I, I yeah, I, I might just do it by myself. <laughs> but that's not entertaining. Anyway. <laughs> Okay. That's the the feelings I've been having. Yes. Since and, April 17th. <laughs> yes, there's and there's so much more discussion to be had, but we're already at almost 20 minutes. Um an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah. So we got to we got to call it, but So please let us know your feelings and please if you're somehow here and you haven't gotten that far in the show, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, or like, you know, I hope you enjoy Watching it with these with these ideas in your head, you know, maybe you know. Oh, I loved rewatching it with you after knowing what I know. <laughs> There's so many, not necessarily like clues or secrets, but, but like, just like things that things make it <sighs> more meaningful. More yeah. meaningful, yeah. yeah, yeah. Even back to season one, you're just like, oh my baby. I cried every time Quentin was on the screen. I was <laughs> like, oh, he's so beautiful. He's so <laughs> annoying, and he's so beautiful. Uh, yeah, it's uh, no, it's it's great. All right. Do you have a recommendation? I do have a recommendation. Hey, I'm proud of you. <laughs> I have. I watched a thing. Um, so in my grief over rewatching The Magicians, mm-hmm. I needed something to fill the void. And I had seen some queer shit about The Society, the new Netflix original mm-hmm. series. Um, and I, there's uh, a deaf gay character who's adorable. And then he... I had just seen like a clip of him like in the budding relationship with this other character who comes out as gay later. Mm-hmm. Um, but the show is basically these high school seniors who go leave for a class trip and they come back and they're fucking not home anymore. Yeah. They're, they're in their town, but it's completely empty. Nobody's there and they can't leave. Woo. And at this point, I'm very not into teenage stories because it, it's just like not always interesting. Yeah, these it days. feels a little bit. Yeah, like, oh. but this is as much a teenage story as it is a pol- political story. I mean, it's 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 Lord of the Flies. It's it's Lord of the Flies, and you, it's it's called the Society, which we both agree is kind of a silly name. Yeah, like it's fitting, but it's ultimately bad as a title. Yeah, but basically, it's like okay, here's some teenagers figure out a society. Yeah, how do you live? How do you live? <laughs> how do people make it work? And they're all privileged, too, because it's, like, Connecticut. Yeah. <laughs> and they talk about that later on in the series, the season, too. Yeah. They, they they actually discuss, like, hey, you guys need to stop. We know, I know we're privileged, but we got to make it happen. Yeah. So, yeah. I binge-watched that in three days, and it's a 10-hour-long episode, so. <laughs> it's, easy, it's an easy binge. Yeah. Yeah, what I saw of it looked pretty interesting. It's also not, not safe, and I like shows that are unsafe these days. Yes. And I think the people that are mad at the magicians want safe. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, there's other thing, parts of the magicians that are unsafe for other reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, that other shows have done very poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly rape. Mm-hmm. Um, like, we both 
absolutely hate that one Netflix show. Um, Which one? The werewolf one. With oh, whoa, whoa. Uh, whatever. Hemlock Grove. Yeah. And I stopped watching that show because there was a senseless rape that... I don't even think I got that far. I just thought the show was bad. You would have stopped bad. then. It, yeah. It, it, there was, it, it just didn't make any sense. or Like, there was... There was nothing. And in The Magicians, sure, it's still senseless. But it's because, not cheap. Yes, because I don't want to talk too much about it. Yeah, it's not we've already ended the conversation. And it's not necessarily my like yeah. area of expertise. Yes. <laughs> but we both thought that that was well handled and, and yeah, respectful. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the society. Yeah. Uh, I just started listening to a new podcast from Wondry. They did, you know, um, Over My Dead Body and Dr. Death and these fun ones where it's like, hey, a, just the craziest true crime story ever where, you know, it's just like, can you even believe all the details of the story? And over a season, it tells you, like, just all the wild things that happened. And the new one is called The Shrink Next Door. And it's it's interesting because as far as I can tell, there's no murder in this story. Which is unusual for true crime. Um, but it's just this insane story of this man. Who, so the, 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 the person who wrote it, um, he's a former New York Times journalist. And he met these people, this this um, New York uh, shrink and his like employee. Who was like basically sort of a handyman like assistant type thing. He just took care of his home and did all this stuff. Um, and then one day the shrink and his wife just like totally left town and like abandoned their home and that's when the journalist found out the employee was the one who owned the home and basically this shrink had allegedly like taken charge of this man's life and like yeah and so it's like how did this happen like how does somebody give up all their autonomy to another person because their therapist told them to yeah (laughs) and it sounds it's it's, so i'm only a couple episodes in but it's this really fascinating story of like weird like abuse like where this psychiatrist is like just cutting this man off from his relationships and this Mm -hmm. this is a true crime this is a true story um but then you know the shrink says no i didn't do that and he needed me and you know but it's really fascinating just to see like to try to understand how a person could end up in this place and what kind of a person could do that to them Mm -hmm. um so really fascinating if uh if you think true stories are fascinating but you're not into murder tales this doesn't seem to be one although for me this almost sounds more upsetting because of the psychological like yeah the way that this man's just been manipulated. Yeah. It's really... Ooh. I mean, and like... The the man Martin, the, the patient, he was like a, a CEO of a... <laughs> like a multi-million dollar company. Like, he, he was not like... I mean, you know, so like, just goes to show you, like, everybody's got problems. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> like, this was a man with like a big important life. And his shrink just like made him give it to him. Yeah. I don't know. It was wow. really weird really weird so yeah i'm excited to keep listening to it really interesting stuff uh and i don't think anybody dies (laughs) (laughs) that does it for today's episode thanks for listening you can find us on apple podcasts spotify stitcher anchor.fm and google podcasts please rate 
subscribe and review so that more nerds can find us. It really makes a difference and we appreciate it very much. Check us out on Twitter at LitMeritPod for updates and news and to cry about the magicians with us. Yeah, anything anything you want to say, just talk to us, please. I need <laughs> to know what you think about the magicians. Uh, and thanks to Jonathan Colton for the use of our theme song, Fraud, from his album Artificial Heart. Until next time, remember, magic, magic comes, comes from, from pain. pain. <laughs>